Father, this morning we just come to you. Truly, Lord, so, so happy to be together. Yes, we know we were preaching every day from the church office. But to be in the house of God with all your people, it's different, Lord. That we can come together as your family, knowing your presence is right here with us, together. That you brought everyone safe. Even the kids who went far home to their villages, they were away. You brought everyone safely. Lord, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, everyone, everyone, you will touch them who are at home, that they will have the courage, they will not fear, and say, you know what, like David, I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm glad, very glad, when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We know, Lord, you will protect us. You will keep us. Now as the ministry of the word comes, I commit this time into thy hands. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. We need to hear your word more than ever before. Speak to us. When darkness envelops the earth, you said your light will come upon your people. And your word is light. And the entrance of your word brings light. We need more light today than yesterday. We'll need more tomorrow than today. Speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, there are seats here, two seats here. Weekend. We'll go to Matthew chapter 19. Verses 1 to 4 and verse 8. I shall prove you all wrong that what you read is not what I'm going to speak on. Because when you read, one word will immediately get into your mind. <laughs> now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these sayings, that he departed from Galilee, came to the region of Judea, beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? In verse 8. And for this reason, we can read verse, leave verse 5, can go to verse 8. And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. So I'm not talking about divorce or even about so much about marriage. It is that if you want to learn something, what is really true, go to the beginning. Okay. The Bible has 66 books. The first two chapters is about the beginning and then the fall. The good two chapters are in the beginning. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis. And the good two other chapters are the last two chapters. Revelation 21 and 22. Okay, if you take these four chapters out, it is a miserable book. You look at the first two chapters, and the last two chapters, it is good. First two chapters, they began happily. Last two chapters, everything ended happily. Okay. And uh, while I was preparing... Okay, we go to Luke chapter 3 and verse 38. While I was prepared, yeah, can you put this light off, please? Yeah. 
while I was preparing, I got the text, Happy Father's Day. Okay, so I thought, hey, that's a good thing. I didn't know. You know, so I thought, let us go to the first father. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Okay. So we talk about Abraham, Abraham, father Abraham, but no. Adam was the first father, the father of all the living. Okay. So I don't want to title today's message as Father's Day, but as the day of the father. Okay. We are going to the beginning, right to the beginning. If you go to the beginning... It's always good to the beginning. We'll get an answer to almost every issues of life. No, we always remember. Two questions Apostle Paul asked. Who are you? What do you want me to do? Those questions, you know, who am I? What do you want me to do? You will find it all in the first two chapters of the Bible. Who are you? It was a stunning line. I like that line in that whole song. I know my worth. And I know my unworthiness. My price was fixed on the cross. Who am I? And what do you want me to do? I mean, that's a question. Especially all the young ones were staring at me. You can stare at me, no problem. I began my public ministry with young people. Not in the church, but in the school. Because I'm used to people staring at me. Somebody said, if a young man, by the time he's 20, is not a rebel, there's something wrong with his heart. The same man said, but by the time he's 30, he is, if he's not obedient, there's something wrong with his head. Okay? So, you know why? Because young people are forever questioning. Who am I? What do you want me to do? Why should I do this? The answers are all found in the first two chapters. Okay. We need to go back. To those chapters, if you look at chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. So God is not just your boss. He's just not your Lord. He's your creator. The Bible is the creator's manual about how the product should function. I don't want to call you products, but that's what we are. God's products. Okay? You want to know how you, you and I need to function, who we are, and what we need to do? Go back to the product manual, which is the Bible, and it first says, he is our creator. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. That's enough. Okay. So please understand, we were created, both man and woman. If you go to verse 27, if you want to go over there to verse 27, Bible says, male and female he created. Lot of questions about homosexuality, transgender, bisexuality. It's all answered there. Male and female. Not male and male. Not female and female. Male and female. Male and female. He created man in his own image. In his own image. So you can feel good. The lion cannot say that. The cat cannot say that. The dog cannot say that. I don't know even whether the angels can say that. I don't know whether the angels can say that we were made in the image of God. I don't know. I don't think so. We were made in the image of God. Okay, It's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. Who am I? I am somebody made in the image of the very God. The only living God. Was made in his image, in his likeness. 
both male and female. Oh, I wish I was born a boy. No, you were born in the image of God. I am going through gender dysphoria. No, you are not. Just calm down. God assigned your gender when you were born. There's no confusion over there. God is never confused. Be calm. Go back to your creator and say, Lord, when I was born, this is how you made me. And I'm, I am happy. You don't make mistakes. I'm happy the way you made me. I'm happy. Okay. Both man and woman was made in the image of God. So one image cannot be lesser than the other. So all the ladies can feel good. If you are made in the image of God and the man is made in the image of God, both are God's image. So one image cannot be better than the other image. I actually believe this image is more refined than this image. You know, when you go Western nation, especially, we are not used to those terms, but we do use them, buy them. When you go to buy meat, you know, abroad, they will say, I want prime rib. Okay? It's expensive. Prime rib. From there, the rib is cut off with the flesh, and you make your chops and all with it. So, ever you feel good, and your man says something to you, say, you know, you are made of dirt, I am prime rib. That's true. Factually true. Man was made of dirt. Woman was made of prime rib. Okay. So you can feel good. The image of God. Okay. So please understand this. The first thing when you go back to the beginning is that we were made in the image and the likeness of God. Okay. Made in likeness of God. Then you come to chapter 2 and verses. It narrows down. Chapter 2 is human specific. One is creation specific where man is also put in there on the last day. But human specific. Verse 8. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Because so that is a place. God created man and put him in a place. So first thing you need to realize, especially some of you sitting over here, wherever you were born, You are placed there by God. It was not an accident. There are no accidents. People rue the village they were born. They complain about the parents they were born to. See, we had no choices over it. So it was planned by God. Adam did not have a choice. Neither does anyone. The first father, the first man did not have a choice. Nor will the last man have a choice. God created you. Put you in a particular place. And they say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. You chose my home. You chose my village. You chose my city. You chose my lane. And he knows where you were born. And he knows where you live. We heard it many times. So even if people do not know, God will say, Ananias, go to the city, street called straight. Go to this house. There's a man from Damascus. He will tell Cornelius, Send men to Joppa, to the beach, house of Simon the Tanner, and there is Simon Peter there. Don't call the wrong Simon, get the right Simon. Wrong Simon you call, you will end up in hell. The right Simon will take you to heaven. God knows. Nothing hidden. You see these things comfort, because one issue with people is that nobody knows me. God says, I know you. I chose you. I placed you. Okay. So he put him there. The first man, the first father, 
and verse 9. What did he do? And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What did he do next? He put them in a place and said, you know what? Starve and die. No. Provision. He gave you provision. He gives us provision. We came through. Some people a little difficult, some people easy, but we all came through. And we are still coming through. Okay. He gave us provision. And the provision he gives us is good for food and pleasant to the eyes. You are all looking pleasant to the eyes. Okay. You don't have to look stunning in the eyes. You just need to look pleasant in your eyes. You need to look pleasant in your eyes to God. And that's what we saw last night in one of the questions. When Moses was born, her parents defied the king's edict to throw him into River Nile and kept him because he was a beautiful baby. But in Acts 7.20, Stephen will say, he was beautiful in God's eyes. All are beautiful in God's eyes. And he's given provision also. It's good. It's good. When we pluck the feathers off and chop it, it doesn't look so good. But the chicken actually looks good. The fish really, I still have, I think I deleted it last week when we were at uh, Mahabalipuram. They caught the fish fresh. You can pick your fish and then they fry it. What bake it, whatever. My wife was there, decorated it and brought it. It looked so good. But I took the picture after my wife had demolished it. It looked terrible. One eye, hollow eye staring with the bone sticking out like that. You know? But when God gives us, it is good for food, pleasant to the eyes. We men do not know, but you ladies need to learn it. Okay, When you already get married, and when you serve things, you know, that's a lady's touch. That's why God created them the end. If God had only created man, things wouldn't have been pleasant in this world. They are a different kind altogether. Okay, you go to a bachelor's house and you go to a, when he's married and go to his house, you will see the difference. Okay, and you know where it came to the woman from? From God. You know why? She was made in God's image. And when God does something, it's just not good for the taste or good for the body. It is pleasant for the eyes. It's pleasant for the eyes. Okay. So learn these fundamentals. You know what, Lord? Whenever you gave me a space, it doesn't have to be large. Even if it is one room, Lord, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it pleasant for the eyes. And you can do it. You don't have to spend too much money. <laughs> you can make anything you get pleasant for the eyes. Because that's how God does. You know? And food... That was good. So one day when you all become mothers, see that the food that you cook is good. Everything in Genesis 1 and 2 is good. It's good. Okay. Make food that is good. So there is a place and there is provision. Okay. Look at the order in which God goes. Because if you go to the beginning and see how God worked in creation and with man. And if you look at God's order, and because God is not a man that he should lie, and God does not change, it gives you great confidence that what you did with Adam, you will do it with me too. I don't have to fear. Because the greatest fear of people, old and young, is the fear of provision. Fear of provision. 
That's why we do not become like God. What is the primary nature of God? God is the giver. God is the giver. God so loved the world. He gives and he gives from Genesis 1.1. He is giving and giving and giving. And we are called in his image and we are called to be givers. But because we are so careful, afraid, our arms, our hands are, that's how every baby is born. No baby comes like, ah, comes like a clenched twist. But God says, takes fear away. He's planned it all for you. David says, it's all written in your book. The knowledge is too much for me. Every day has been written. Who can boast in the world other than his children? Every day has been recorded. My days are ordered by God. Everything is there. You know what? I will just discover it each day. I will not fear. He created me in his image, male and female he created. And not only that, he prepared a place for me and he put me over there and he made provision for me. It's taken care of. If you believe, God has already provided for you for the last day of your life. It's already done. It's not going to do. It's already done. Already done. Fear not. It's already done. And 2.15. Chapter 2 verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep. This is what you need to understand. Especially young people. Whatever your age, remember. Everything is there. Place is there. Food is there. Provision is there. But he still put him to work. Put him to work. He put him there to tend and to keep it. To work and to guard it. Okay. This is before the fall. This is before the fall. This is not after the fall. Before the fall. So in Genesis chapter 2, you see work. In Revelation chapter 21 and 22, you will see work. You have to work. You have to guard. Well, that's the nature. Nature Nature abhors a vacuum. If you don't guard it, something else will take over. You have to guard your mind. If you don't guard your mind, weeds will grow all over. You have to guard. Not only work, you also have to guard. Tend and keep. We have to not only work and keep, we also have to develop what God has given. And that's why man is different from you. Evolutionists are fools. Because only fools will declare there is no God. They may have a doctorate behind their names, or ahead of their names, but they are fools. You know why? Because man is the only one who is developed what God has given into his hands. No animal does it. No animal does it. No animal does it. Okay. From the beginning till today, the lion eats raw meat. How many dishes do we make out of meat? Can we count in each culture? Why? You just need to eat meat, right? But you just can't eat meat. Why? Because you are created in the image of God. You will work on it. You will develop on it. And you will come up with new and new recipes. You will say 6,000 years later we can still... Come out with new recipes from a piece of chicken? Yes. Why? Because you are created in the image of God. Created in the image of God. You will still come up with it. New things. You will come up. Some will eat and die. Some will eat and live. Some will eat through their mouths. Some it will come through their nostrils. But you will still eat. Because God, 
அது எல்லாம் ஒரிஜினல் and i think somewhere in my cartons i still have one of my students answer paper the one who topped first in that country from 1990 it is 31 years later you know why because the answers were original and god has created us with that originality develop on what god has given us don't just mug from somewhere and vomit it out in your answer paper then you are a machine you're not a human and the world would like the system would like to make machines out of us but god says no everyone is different there's no two people on earth from the beginning till day who have made the same that's how original god is and if god has made you like that you know what you need to say i will be the best i can be i'm not competing with anybody because honestly if you look into the word of god no two people can actually compete with each other because both are absolutely different even identical twins are different we should take that whole thing about competition out of our heads and say you know what i will not be better than him or better than her because i cannot be what i can be the best i can be in christ i can be in christ sitting in a philip a prison when that man called apostle paul says i can do all things through christ jesus that strengthens me powers of darkness was trembling and the destruction of the roman empire was set because of one man one man one day when history the real history is revealed he will see it is not the 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 barbarians who overthrew the russian roman empire it was apostle paul one man who said i will be everything that god has called me to be and i will do it through his strength and that should be our attitude today because this is the first sunday we are meeting here in the house of god 20th day of our 14th year and 14 was interesting i hadn't thought about 14 when one of my kids from my old old bible studies from atlanta wrote to me and said on the 14th year joseph was established 13 years he was in prison being prepared to take over on the 14th year and i said wow lord are you speaking to three one of my kids this is the year he says all who believe i will establish you you've been tested you've been proved you didn't quit against all the attacks and all the pressure of the system the world and natural calamities everything you have stood there and you refused to buckle you know 14th year god says i will establish you if you believe if you believe don't quit never quit know who you are we need to know who we are and whose image we are made what we were made for 
You all need to discover God's purpose. Once you discover, don't do it, look for just a job. In that job, find purpose. In that job, find purpose. When you find your purpose, any job will do. Any job will do. If you find your purpose. For 30 years or maybe the first 20 years of his life, I don't know, 25 years of his life, God's own son was just a carpenter. He knew his purpose. Behold, in the volume of the book it is written, We have come to do your will. What's your career? Carpenter. Job doesn't matter. Purpose does. Job doesn't matter. Purpose does. If you do not have your purpose, it does not again matter what job you do, what your career profile is, where you reach. It will be irrelevant in history, God's history. But if you, I know your purpose, it will make the whole world of difference in your life. So God has put there to tend and to guard, to keep. And every garden has to be guarded. Your mind is like a garden. can grow thistles, can grow thorns, or it can bring green vegetation, fruitful vegetation, and flowers, and ideas, and imaginations, and young people. The word of God says, your young shall see visions. If you don't start envisioning things when you are young, when are you going to vision things? When you are old? You should, you should allow your mind to start thinking. Say, Lord, I give you my mind. Think through me, Lord. Broaden, enlarge, like Anisha prayed in the morning. Enlarge, Lord, my mind. Think, think, think. You see, that's what makes us different from all of creation. Everything on earth, what makes man different? He thinks. He thinks. Because God thinks. God thinks. Think, think. Verse 16. I think I didn't give it to you. Verse 16. God said what you shall eat what you shall not eat what you shall eat what you shall not eat of every tree of the garden you may freely eat and verse 17 but of one tree God said do not eat we always look at the negative and make it be but mommy said don't do that daddy said don't do that never do children say what all daddy said you can do what all mommy said you can do actually if you look at your list there's so many things you are allowed to do and they will say don't do this one thing and we make a mountain of it. That becomes our doctrine. Only one thing. Why? Because if you are created as a person in the image of God, you are put in a God-ordained place, you have God-ordained provision, you have God-ordained purpose, you also need God-ordained protection. And the no's in life sometimes are more important than the yes. Isn't it true? They let's say there was a thousand trees they could eat from. One tree they couldn't eat from. And that one tree is more important than all the thousand. And they did not fall because they ate from the thousand trees. They fell because they ate from that one tree. Sometimes the nose of God, the nose of your father, the nose of your mother are more important. Of your teachers. Of teachers. Abigail? 
the nose of your father, especially with math. I know what it is like. When he smacks you, I don't know whether he smacks you, saying you are making the same mistake over and over. Listen carefully. Because he sees something which you do not see. So what does it? He came and wrapped David over the knuckles and said, you are doing the same thing over and again. Stop it. And he stopped it. The yeses of God made David a great man. The noes he disobeyed almost ruined his life. Why does God say those things? Why do we keep on telling you, stop watching junk on YouTube, on internet. Stop watching. Because your mind is not neutral. If you don't tend that garden, and you take in and sow the tears, it will bring forth fruit. It will. That's a simple nature. According to the seed sown, the harvest will come one day. That's why God says, God, before the fall, God, tend and keep. It will bring forth. This is a law established by God. According to the seed, will only come the product. So you have to guard your mind and ask God, Lord, cleanse my mind, take everything that was not planted by you, which shouldn't be there, uproot it, Lord, let the axe be laid, let it dry away from the roots, oh Lord, and Lord, teach me to plant the right things in my mind. Why are people so afraid? Let me tell you why they are afraid. I can understand doctors having a natural caution. They are working, they know all the knowledge of medical science, and they are working with the patient, they are seeing people dying and all. But why are we afraid? Because you are watching news and not listening to the good news. Good news tells you to be careful. You to read the book of Leviticus throughout the Bible. God tells you to be careful. But the Bible does not tell you to be, does not tell you to be fearful. There's something about being careful and something else about being fearful. God wants you to be careful. The devil wants you to be fearful. Because he knows fearful people of God go nowhere. Go nowhere. Not only do they go nowhere, they go the wrong way. Even David will go and waste 16 months of his life because of a thought that was put into his head. So Adam was put to work. So what is Adam doing? We do not know when he created Eve. You can say Eve was created on the sixth day. I don't know. Bible is not very specific about it. We do not know when Eve was created. Okay. So Adam is doing what? Single and working. He's working. But it's a lesson to everybody, whether you are male or female. What is that? John chapter 5 and verse 17. Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now I have been working. What is a simple thing? God is a worker. God is a hard worker. God is a tireless worker. And we are called to work Before the fall, after the fall, and in the new creation. We are called to work. All the students sitting over here, why do students fail? Because they don't work. Because they don't study. It's as simple as that. They don't study. They don't work. Why do employees employees fail? Because they don't work. And we want entitlement status. In the US it is food stamps. Here is free rations and COVID pass. 
Everybody very happy. I passed, I passed, I passed. Go to the next level. You think as you go higher it gets easier? The first decision I made on my own in class 12, no math after this. I can't handle it. This is it. Like John the Baptist, you also need to know what you are not. I didn't know Pastor Vijay then, but I knew I was not him. It's not my, because it's only get tougher and tougher. By 12, I had my full of math. Not that I failed, I got 90%. Not because I was good in math, but was a hard worker. You need to be, don't need to be brilliant to get good marks. You just need to be a hard worker. Hard worker. Because okay. God always honors hard work. Because he's a hard work. It's his nature. Have you noticed lions in those natural geographic videos? You look at the lions sitting by the pool. And animals wandering around and drinking. The lion does nothing. You know why? Because the lion won't kill unless he's hungry. He comes, he kills, he eats, goes back, eats, goes back, eats and doesn't eat for days. You know why? Because he was not made in the image of God. He doesn't work. The only work he does is to kill and to eat. He doesn't work. None of these animals would work if we did not put them to work. The buffalo works because we put them into work. The elephants work because we put them into work. The dog works because we put them into work. Leave them alone, they will not work. Because they were not made in the image of God. And you know what? Lord of people within the churches of God have become like buffaloes. You have to put them to work, otherwise they will not work. God's image. Young people, I'm telling you. You really, really want to do well in life. Learn the very ethics of hard work. Because God is a worker. And Jesus stands up and says, my father has been. When did he say that? 2,000 years ago. What is he talking in our time? For 4,000 years, God has been at work. And he hasn't stopped. He's still working. Still working. Garden has to be kept. Garden has to be tended. Can divide your life into as many components as you want. Every component, there is work to do. Home, there is work to do. At school, there is work to do. When you come out, there is work to do. In your marriage, there is work to do. Everywhere there is work. If you look up, open your eyes and look around, there is work to do. And you don't do anything because you don't look. But if you look, how I threaten that child is that I will come to your apartment, surprise visit, and I will do this. That's how I threaten her. Nothing to do. Really? God made me from dirt. I'm comfortable with dirt. Is that your philosophy? No, I'm not saying about it. Is that your philosophy? You look around, there is always something to do. Something to do. And you will see in everything, there is hard work involved. You want to keep your marriage alive and going? There is work to do in your marriage. You have relationships going. If you are a father with children, children with their parents, friends among each other, school, every, there is hard work involved. There's hard work involved. 
Everywhere, you can divide your entire life into components. Each day into day, every component you look, there is work involved. Colossians 3, 23, 24. And Ephesians 6, 7. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Ask to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Do you know that when you do even the small little things you do, you do it hard, you do it cheerfully, you are waiting for a reward. God will reward you. Even if nobody gives you anything over here, it does not matter. God will reward you. God will reward hard workers. God will work, reward workers who worked with integrity. He will reward them because in eternity he is looking for hard workers. Your work does not decrease in heaven. Your work increases in heaven. Only those who have learned to work on earth. God's children who learn to work on earth. And do it cheerfully. And do it really hard. God will say, take charge of more cities. And you will be so excited. You know what? The only thing people who have understood the importance of hard work is that at the end of the day, you are tired. That's what, you know, ask my wife. I was lying on the bed for half an hour. You know, I was tired. Okay, it's 10.40. It's already 7 hours, 40 minutes since I woke up. You are tired. You get tired. In the new body, there is no tiredness. Let me see. You get this fantastic body in which there is no sleep, no slumber, no tiredness, weird weariness, and you are a lazy bum on earth, what did you do in heaven? Miserable fellow in heaven. Because you did not know how to work. What did you do in heaven? Lord, I'm trying to sleep. My eyes are not closing. God said, who said you sleep here? Who told you you sleep here? Lord, I do not know what to do. Precisely. Everybody was trying to tell on earth to do something, and now you don't know what to do. You are always busy doing nothing. Lord, can I be a YouTuber here? There's no YouTube here. Ephesians 6, 7. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Adam, the first father of all living, was the first worker on earth working unto God. Can you imagine? There's nobody else. He's taking care of the garden, tending the garden, guarding the garden. There's nobody, not even a woman, no family, nothing. And he's working unto God. First man, happily, heartily, hardworking father. No? So if you want to call it the day of the father, that father, the first one, was a hard worker. He's taking care of an entire garden. We don't know how big it was. Oh God. God hasn't revealed everything to him yet, but he's working hard, taking care of it. John 4 and verse 34. The second Adam or the last Adam. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent, sent me and to finish his work. He said, you know what? That is, this is what we call job satisfaction. You are so satisfied with the work, you lose your appetite. You know, you, you know it happens. You don't, you can't eat because you're so happy because of the satisfaction. You got from the work that you were And he's doing the father's work. I'm sure that day began like every day. He woke up early in the morning and work began. If you think prayer is not hard work, try pray. It's hard work. 
He rose, he prayed, and the father said, today, you are going to Samaria? Yes, Samaria. I got a work for you there. Somebody over there. Somebody very special. And as you go, I will tell you. And that is a Samaritan woman. Keep telling the much married woman. And you know what? He brings her knowledge of salvation. And is so excited. He had sent all the disciples to buy food. They come back and said, did somebody give him food to eat? He said, you know what? My food, you know what my food is? To do the father's will. That is genuine job satisfaction. You know your purpose is in your career, in your job. And you do it heartily, under, never looking at the paycheck. Don't look at the paycheck. Never look at the paycheck. Trust God. Don't look at the paycheck. I'm not saying when you are negotiating, you shouldn't negotiate. I was the fool who never negotiated. Every time I went to work in the circle of this thing, I never thought about it. So I never negotiated. Then I realized over there, okay, all my juniors were not as half qualified as me, have negotiated hard. I used to laugh. Say, Sir, you didn't negotiate? I said, no. Sir, you are so qualified, you got all this. I said, nonsense. I'm not going to go and negotiate and argue with the management. I'm good. I'm good. But you know what? I believe I had more job satisfaction than any one of them. They all taught and they all went home. I taught. I spoke about Christ. I baptized my students. And I came back with satisfaction. And none of the teachers in that college could ever say, I led one to the Lord. I had the joy of baptizing my student. That was more satisfaction than their grades. Than their grades. And my teachers, Saturday used to be half day off. My, my uh, college, when they see me on the streets, they would see like huge, like these many students around me. And they looked at the students and they knew not a single student was from my college. Every student, except for two, every student from different colleges. And they're looking at, this man came just a month back. He's got all these students, all believing students. We are going from youth meeting to youth meeting. And this evening I have a meeting with them on Zoom. Some of them are my students. Many of them whom I am speaking to are my students' children. The satisfaction, job satisfaction. Honestly, you should ask the Lord, Lord help me to witness in my workplace. Somebody to testify. Somebody to pray over. You know the satisfaction that comes? Can you, can you feel that day what Joseph felt in prison, in chains, everything is chained, marks over there, and looks at them and said, what's wrong with you? No, we had this dream. He said, this is my dream, interpretation. You will be restored. In three days time, you will be back. You know what? I did something for the Lord today. Everything I was doing for the Lord, but something, direct hand of God in my life. I was able to minister to somebody today. I was able to be a witness for somebody today. I was able to pray over, pray for somebody today. You need to believe. You need to believe because you are made in the image of Christ Jesus. And when Christ came, God's image, when God came in the flesh, this is how he is working. This is how he is working. They all knew him as a carpenter. But now it's changed. Of course we work today outside the curse or 
after the curse. Okay. After the curse. And work has only become worse because of the curse. Genesis 3, 17 and 19. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and he didn't curse man, he cursed his ground. So we are, we are working on cursed ground. But we as believers need to believe that our ground has been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. It will not produce these things, Lord. Bind it, use the blood, pray, exercise dominion and you say, you know what? My ground will produce good fruit and not thorns and thistles. I said, you have to use the weapons God has given you. You have to use it. Okay? It shall produce fruit. But the fundamental principle over here is that God's children are hard workers. Learn to work hard. Learn to work hard. And all the young girls, all the girls who are not married, look at me. Others put your head down. All the girls who are not married, look at me. Before you get married, check the boy out. Never marry a lazy fellow. You will end up slogging all your life. And all the unmarried men look at me. Never marry a lazy woman. You will be miserable all your life. Don't look whether she's fair and tall and handsome. Those things don't matter once you get married. What are you going to do with a tall and handsome man? Carry him on your shoulder? What are you going to do with him? Don't marry lazy people. Check them out. Wash them. How they are. Watch how they sit. Watch how they sit. You know hard workers, how they will always sit. And you will know, see the lazy fellows who will always sit. Automatically their legs will go up. Don't rule for life. These are serious things. When Eliezer was found, sent to look for a bride for Isaac, the first test is not whether she is beautiful, though that is mentioned. Whether she is pure, that is also mentioned for the test he puts is that, is she a hard worker? Because you know why? Our heavenly Isaac is a hard worker. He doesn't want a lazy bride. Doesn't want a lazy bride. Let me give you a revelation. How many of you know the, how many of you know the parable of the ten virgins? Yeah, the bridesmaid, as we call them. Five wise, five foolish. Why were the five wise, uh, foolish? Because they did not have, because they didn't work hard. Who were the wise? They had oil. And when the foolish asked the wise for oil, what did they say? We have only. That's why they are bridesmaid. They are not the bride. The bride has always more than enough to share. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. Joseph is a fruitful bow planted by the well. He bows go across the walls. They are bridesmaid, not the bride yet. Because the bridesmaid who are wise also have only enough for themselves. They do not have enough to give. Understand how scripture works. You want to be the bride of Christ Jesus? You can't be a lazy slob. Because he is a hard worker. 
If you are yoked with me, learn from me. I am meek and lowly. Take my yoke. How are you going to yoke with him? He runs. He moves fast. He works hard. He will give you space to catch up and teach you. And after that, you need to move at his pace. He's not a lazy man. He's a hard worker. Fundamental first lesson we learn from Genesis 1 and 2 is that when Adam was made in God's image, he was a hard worker. It's a hard worker. It matters. You will realize it will matter in your home. You will realize it will matter in your life, in your home. You will not be able to go up your career. You know why? Because you did not inculcate the habit of working hard when you were young. These things are not learned when you are old. These things are learned now. Though you get saved late, you can always cry out for mercy and God can change you. But you will have to struggle more. The fundamental things to success in God's kingdom. I'm not talking in the world. world, there are a hundred different crooked ways of being successful. At the end, you will rue for every one of those methods. But there is only one and straight and narrow way to success in God's way, kingdom. And we need to look for those because we were created in the image of God. So it's a battle. Every day it is a battle. Every day it is a battle. <clears throat> Proverbs 6, 10 and 11. One by one, the next four words. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Slowly it will creep. Slowly. Slowly it will creep. Just a little sleep, a little slumber, a little sleep. Lazy fellows. 23, 13. Do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, you will be satisfied with bread. You open your eyes, you will always say there is something to do. You don't need to get paid for it, you just do it. Almost everything I do in my house, I don't get paid for it. (laughs) I don't get paid for it. But you just do it. Open your eyes. Oh no, this is beyond my dignity. Below my dignity. What is below your dignity? What is below your dignity? Whatever your hand lays on, just do it. You know why? You're learning something in the process. Like I said, if you do not keep your eyes fixed on eternity, you'll be of no good on earth. You're looking at eternity. I want my reward. I want my Lord to say, take charge of 10 or 20 or 30 or 50. I want to work more than ever before. You know what I learned here? You are not looking for a temporary reward. What are you going to take it with? Where are you going to go with it? After some time, what happened? In whatever career you choose, one day you retire. There's no retirement there. You're only starting to work there. You thought you worked there. God said, no. <laughs> you apprentice. Now you are certified. Take charge. What did he say? Take charge. You thought you are in charge. God says you are not in charge. I am in charge. And I am watching you how you work. But it's my company. God says not yours. I can take it away from you tomorrow. How, how do you say? Look at Job. One day all gone. Everything gone. Company shut down. Wife says die. 24. Because she can't go shopping anymore. No money. 24, 30, 31. I went by the field of the lazy man. And by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Is that how your room looks like? 
I went to the room of the lazy fellow, all covered with dust. Go to the sink, place from last week. Look under his cot, full of dirty clothes. Is that how your house looks like? This is the man of the book of Proverbs. Or girl. Clothes hamper is full of dirty clothes, not washed. Is that how your room looks like? How your life looks like? Your textbooks look like? They look new. Academic year is, is almost over. They look new. They look new. I am preserving its purity. The devil will preserve your depravity. Hard work. Hard work. Next one. Second Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. <laughs> Half the church would die of hunger then. <laughs> For they will get to eat just enough. Romans 2.11 Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Do you see how much it is mentioned about work? Let me ask you this question. If you do not work, how are you going to exercise the dominion? How can you fulfill God's purpose without work? How can you exercise dominion without working? How can you be fruitful without working? Because these are all the blessings given to Adam. How can you be successful without working? How can any of those promises of God come to pass if you don't work and work hard? Paul plants, Apollos waters, but they both have to do it for God to give the increase is in God's hands. But God cannot give increase to a man who did not plant. God cannot give increase to a man who did not water. And if you don't work as a student, or whatever, student, because many students sitting over here, what will you pray for? Next year also, Lord, let Corona come. Now you are not praying to Christ, you are praying to Corona. It's Corona that is merciful to me. I pass from 10th to 11th, 11th to 12th, 12th degree also pass. Five years of Corona, I would finish MBBS also. <laughs> One of the first messages we preached last year, Corona or Christ, choose. Lord, students are choosing Corona unconsciously. Lord, thank you for Corona. (laughs) Like I said in verse 16 and 17 of Genesis, boundaries are set. What you may do and what you may not do. What you may do and you what you... It's, yeah, let's... The Lord commanded of the man, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day you eat, you shall die. See, when God's, look at the difference. One, you may eat. You may do whatever you want. You may. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you play cricket. When you're playing in this, you want to be a batsman, be a batsman. You want to be a bowler, be a bowler. You want to be a fielder, you're a fielder. You just want to run around the field, do. It's no problem with that. It's exercise for you. But there are certain things you shall not do. If you do, you shall die. You shall die. 
don't do the things that will cause you to die. Cause your relationship God to die. Don't do those things. So we need to ask, Lord, these things are connected with the relationship with you. Lord, teach me and help me not to do the things that will cause our relationship to die. Because ultimately, it's all about a relationship with you. It's about you. Okay. So there is work. And there are restrictions. And there is work involved in everything. Abel offered a sacrifice by faith. By faith. There is work in praising. There is work in worship. There is work in sacrifice. There is work involved. It just doesn't come. It doesn't come. Oh, we all want to pray like El Sound. Keep praying. You will. Better than that. One day you won't wake up and pray. No, it doesn't. It comes from praying over and over and over and over until you break through. Now you can pray. You can pray. Worship is also the same thing. Singing is one thing. Worship is one thing. There is work involved in worship. Before God, not before man. Before man is easy. Once you work before God, before man is very easy. That's why God says, you don't go before. Come before me. Don't wear anything that causes you to sweat. Come before me. Offer to me the best. And then when you go before the people change your God, it's a, it's a cakewalk. It's a cakewalk. Because if you have worked before God without sweating, you have cut through with God. It's easy to cut through with people. There is work involved in walking with God. You know, walked with God 300. There is work involved with walking with God. It doesn't come easy. It is difficult. There is work. There is work involved for working for God. Noah built an ark. Ask that man how long it took and how hard he took. Specifications. When he thinks everything is done, God says, no, change it. Inside, out, this thing, size, everything. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. They are all workers. It's an exercise of your free will. What you cannot do is the exercise of your free will, not what you can do. We are made in the image of God. God exercises his free will. We are made. You know, when you exercise your free will, it's not on what you can do. You exercise your free will in what you cannot do. That is the true exercise of your free will. That's why God always says, of the tree of the garden, you may freely eat. You don't have to struggle to exercise. If you want to eat, you don't want to eat. You don't want to eat, you don't want to eat. There's no problem over there. But about the things you cannot do is where the exercising of your free will comes. That will show you your relationship with God. That will ultimately decide the decisions of your life. Where you ultimately reach. And then comes verse 18. Now everybody will wake up. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now everybody is smiling. <laughs> now comes the meat, right? The juicy part. I don't know. Do you understand this? It was only after he established all these things. He identified Adam's need. Lord, I am lonely. Go work. Lord, I have no go work. Lord, I have nobody. Go tend the garden. Then we shall talk about loneliness. You know why you're lonely? Not because you don't have anybody, because you are lazy. 
And our children were small when they go, can I go out and play? The answer to that question was a question. Did you finish what I told you to do? No. Go finish it and come back. Do you know suddenly you have so much time to play because you did not do your work? First time God is saying, not good. Genesis 1 is full of good, 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 very good. Then suddenly he says, not good. What is not good? To be alone is not good. Loneliness is not good. It's not good. It's not good to be alone. That's why God gives us his promise. You will never be alone again. I'll be with you forever. Never ever after redemption will man have to be alone. Because God is with us forever. God knows loneliness is not a good thing. Adam has to be alone because Adam, unlike us, was not born of the Spirit. Was not born of the Spirit. So he will be alone. He will not be able to experience God all the time. Unlike us who are born of the Spirit, the very Spirit of God dwells within us. So we don't have to be alone anymore. The difference between what? First Adam and the last Adam. Solomon says the same thing in Ecclesiastic 4 verses 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two are always better than one. Celibacy, when God talks about being a celibate, it's only for special occasions and for special people. In Jeremiah 16, verse 1 to 4. The word of the Lord also came to me saying, you shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. Why? You look at the reason. Why? For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place and concerning their mothers who bore them and their fathers who begot them in this land. Why? They shall die gruesome deaths. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried. They shall be like refuse on the face of the earth. So he tells you, you know what? Judgment is coming. Upon Judah. Judgment is coming upon Israel. So you know what? You're the only guy who listens among all these people. Don't get married. But this is what's going to happen to their families. And Jeremiah remains single. Who wants to get married and see your wives and your daughters raped and slaughtered? That's what happens. I'm not getting married. This is what is going to be the future of my family. I don't want to get married. God taking my child is one thing. The enemy butchering my child is another thing. I don't want to get married and have children. Paul says the same thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 26. I suppose therefore that it is good because of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. The church is going through incredible persecution. Incredible. They're living in catacombs. They're hiding from the authorities. They're all in hiding. You want to have children? Have children? No, you don't want children. You don't even know where the children will go to. What will happen to the children? And as we get closer and closer and closer to the last days, all those who are young and unmarried should ask the Lord, Lord, you tell me, because of the present distress, should I get married? And if I get married, should I have children? It's a God who speaks. God who speaks. 
But remember this. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. 7, 7. I wish all men were even as me, myself. But each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner, another. Celibacy is a gift. It's a gift. Don't try to be celibate when you don't have that divine gift from God. He says, I wish, but he says, everybody doesn't have that gift. So coming back to that statement of God in Genesis 2 and verse 18. The Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I shall make for him a companion, a helper comparable to him. One of the primary purpose of marriage, all the young ones who are married and are planning to get married and the older ones who are married, everyone who wants to get married, even the little ones who want to get married one day, first understand purpose. Primary purpose, so one of the most primary purpose of marriage is communication. I don't want to be alone. Why? I need somebody to talk to. To fellowship. That's why fellowship is put right there at the top in the church. Doctrine, fellowship. That's why I hated online thing. I like preaching online, but after that, I want the church. I want the church to be there. I want to see people talking, spending time together. And when lockdown, you have to tell them, go, 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 go quietly, go, 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 just go quietly. You can go loudly, you can shout through your mask and go loudly for for seventy-five days. Make a joyful noise as you go. You want to fellowship. Fellowship is one of the pillars of the church. Communication. Because that's how God created man. God created man in his own image. And they talk all the time. Let us make man in our image. They are discussing. They are talking. God talks. Therefore we talk. Animals don't. We do. Have you ever seen two cats sitting and make, having a discussion? Instead of cats learning from us, we learn from cats. That's why girls walk like them. Cat walk, we call it. Can you imagine? We will say only Gentiles worship gods in the form of reptiles. God says, no, you do. You walk like them. You walk like them. And you name your walk after the cat. And what about the boys? They call for the girls like a cat. It's called a cat call. Shameless, precisely. <laughs> so the whole purpose of when God says it's not good for Adam to be alone is that he doesn't have anybody to communicate to. It's not that he doesn't have anybody to talk to. He doesn't have anybody comparable to him to talk to. And let's come to communication, where we all have failed and still keep failing. The first part over there you see is in verse 19 and 20. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what you would call them. He brought them to Adam. You named them. 
you name. Names in Hebrew are not simple sounds. It's not like the Chinese name they're saying. They take a plate, drop it, and then look, listen carefully and name it. Ting tong pang. <laughs> Hebrew names are not like that. They have deep meaning. <laughs> Chinese brethren, forgive me, because there's an idiot joke. Okay, we love you. I love you, Chinese. Not the Chinese government, but the Chinese. People are innocent everywhere. You are the most harsh government in Iran, but the Iranians are lovely people. Every Iranian I have met in life were some of the sweetest people you could meet. But you have the harshest government over there. Okay, so my Chinese brethren, we just laughed at your expense. Anyway, we buy all your cheap goods, so it's okay. (laughs) Naming is not a small thing. It's not a small thing. When Adam is naming each of the animals, God is saying, personally, I mean, it's not theology, it's not a doctrine. I do believe the animals could talk. It's like the Narnia. I do believe animals could talk before the fall. And uh, the reason is because when the snake talked, <laughs> Eve did run up. Ah, snake talking. She did not know anything. She had a conversation with him. You don't have a conversation with something that never talks. There's no surprise, nothing at all. So I do believe the animals could talk. Okay, so he, when he names it, names it, he understands the nature of each of these animals. And he names it. And one thing he finds that, and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. And then, so Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Let's be a little blunt. Blunt. The animals also have all the physical organs a woman has. So it was not about sex. It was about communication. He couldn't talk to them. He couldn't talk to the lioness. He could talk to her, but he couldn't talk to her. You know, you know the difference? He couldn't talk to her. Even the gorilla, which looks closest to him, he couldn't talk to her. I mean, looks don't matter. Honestly, when you are the only man, you have never seen a woman. It doesn't matter what the other one looks like. Because you have never seen another one. So the question is, Adam tall or short? He's neither. He's the only one. Is he handsome or... There's no comparison. He has never seen a woman because there's no woman. So he can marry anybody. And he marries anybody, it could be right. But he tries talking to them. No chemistry, only physics. There's no chemistry here. Physics possible, biology possible, but no chemistry. Communication. Let me tell you about communication, which we are all very bad. I must, I, I still am pretty bad at it. The first thing about communication is listening. Somebody you can listen to. Somebody you can talk to. Somebody who is comparable to you. One profession I have always seen is that doctors usually end up marrying doctors. And what do they discuss? Medicine. <laughs> and Keralite is fantastic. They are so broad, not broad minded calculation. The gynec will marry the pediatrician. You deliver the baby, hand it over to me. For the next 15 years, I will take the money. 
You take one slab in the beginning, after that small slabs I will take it. You have to see almost everywhere I go, Gainak, pediatrician, husband, pediatrician, wife is Gainak. Something common. Something common. What did God say over there? He didn't find, Adam did not find anybody comparable to him. Similar to him. To which whom he could have a heart to heart talk. With whom he could exchange ideas. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And what? 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 Not what relationship. What fellowship? Physically you can relate to with unbeliever too. It's not an issue at all. Lots of believers have married unbelievers and had so many children. It's not talking about what fellowship. How can you relate? Is he or she comparable to you? Can you communicate? Can you communicate? Amos 3.3 Can you walk together with them? Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can you agree? No. You have safe spaces. Don't discuss this in the house. Don't bring your religion here. Don't bring your God here. Let me ask you a question. You take God out of a believer, what is left? An unbeliever. So the believer lives with an unbeliever like an unbeliever. So you take God out, what is left? Unbeliever. You know what God says? Is he or she comparable? Comparable? Can you communicate? We'll come come to the communication part later. Okay, Genesis 1, 27, 28. And male and female, he created them. And the Lord blessed them. And the God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So the first thing, because the Lord people abroad who will listen, young people who will listen. He created you what? Male and female. And what did he first bless you? Be fruitful. Can two males get married and have children? Can two females get married and have children? So you know all these hypothesis about gay marriage ordained by God. You know, It's all happening all around the West. Even the high court in Chennai did a counseling and he also. The judges are going wonky here too. It will all come everywhere. The question is, will you go that way? Do you understand how God created you? Male and female. And a marriage is between a male and a female. Not between two males. Not between, if you get your foundations right, if you look into the manual book of the created who created you, your mind will be straight. Because this is supposed to be gay pride month. What is so proud about it? What are you proud about? Your creator who loves you, who created you, who died for you to redeem you, says that is not who you are. No, I am proud in my rebellion. I love those people. Most of them are brainwashed, they are lost. They are not bad people or wicked people. I am not, please don't misunderstand them. Some of the friends who I had in the old days, gay friends, were some of the nicest people you could meet. They are very nice people. But that doesn't mean they are not lost. If you are a practicing homosexual, you will end up in hell. Or any of the other things listed in the Bible. You will end up in hell. You can struggle with those things and go to God and ask for deliverance. But if you sanction it and say, this is what I am, this is how God created me, and I'm going to follow this lifestyle, gay or lesbian, I'm telling you. You'll end up in the wrong place. So get these fundamentals very, very clear. 
when you are talking about marriage, it is just not just fellowship. Because we'll say, but we can fellowship very well together. Are you fruitful? Everything has to be ticked. Yeah, we we can. I can fellowship better with this man than with a woman. Okay, can you be fruitful? No. But the first blessing pronounced over the couple be fruitful. Can you be fruitful? Get these things clear in your head. And then the second thing which you need to ask yourself is this. No? Now you got a male and a female. Man, a believing man and a believing woman. You should need to ask this question. Can I be fruitful in this relationship? Now I am not talking about having babies. Will this relationship bring forth fruit for God's glory? That's where communication will open you up. That's what Adam is looking at the lioness and says, you know what? My life is not going to be fruitful with this one. When she gets mad, she will scratch my eyes off. She is good only when I am good to her. If my mood, I sulk a little, she will show her. Can I be fruitful in this relationship? Is this relationship, because you know what? It is like the old days. The old days, parents picked maids for their children, like Abraham did. You know why? The society was structured in a particular way. Men knew this is what they were for. Women knew what they were for. Now nobody knows what they are for. So now you don't, parents cannot pick wives for your sons or sons for wives, some husbands for their daughters. Because you do not know. So usually what happens in this age, they kind of search and find for themselves and try to get their parents approval. But when you are searching, I am telling you, first thing you look, does he work? I'm not saying does he earn. Don't get me wrong. I did not say does he earn. Many of the big earners in this world are lazy fellows. They made their money through crooked means. I did not say whether he earns. I said, does he work? Does he work? Does she work? Does he work? Does she work? Ask that question. Second thing, can I communicate with that person? And out of this relationship, can something fruitful come from God? If God were to give something into our hands, would it multiply? Be fruitful and? Would it multiply or would be forever subtracting? Will it multiply? Because this is, this is exactly what Jesus came and did. What do you have? Oh, six months wages won't be enough for a mouthful. And you look at that. What do we have over here? Five loaves. Jesus said, give it to him. This is a man, the second last Adam, exercising dominion. He's blessed. Just give it to me. You know what happens? It multiplies. It multiplies. God is asking you, you and me. If God were to give something into our hands, he blesses. In this relationship, it was handed into two of our hands, you and your spouse, or the person you're planning to marry. Will it be fruitful? Will it multiply? Are you asking these questions before you get married? Because Paul says marriage is a mystery. And I'm talking about Christ and the church. That is why marriage is attacked and it's so important because it will end with death. But the lessons you carry into eternity. 
Let them have what? Can you have dominion? Matthew 19, 23, if I write, what I gave you. 18, 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that asks, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. It's simply like that. No country in this world, it doesn't matter how big their army is. If their air force is weak, they will never overcome. Air superiority is the first thing that matters in a war. The question is, are you comparable? Can you two agree and exercise dominion? Up, if you exercise dominion, things will happen down. If you don't exercise dominion over there, nothing will happen over here. Can this girl I want to marry really pray? And with me, agree with me. This man I want to marry, when he can pray and things happen, will he lead me? Will he guide me? Can we pray together? Can we function together? Can we exercise dominion together? These are the questions believers should ask. Not what is his salary and the color of his skin and whether he has been vaccinated. Latest. COVID shield or co-vaccine, they want to know that also in matrimonial column. Born again, six feet, dark, five-figure salary and vaccinated with COVID shield. What they add? Now look at God's simple criteria given. These are the questions you need to ask. No? And when you finally find a person, I'm not saying you will find perfect people around. Tune them in that way. Say, you know what? We need to work hard. We need to be able to communicate. We need to be able to pray together. Because it's a battle. We are not battling what we think. Ephesians 6.12 We are battling what? Principalities. We are not fighting powers of darkness, rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where? In heavenly places. If two of you agree on earth, where it will be bound? In heaven. But what if you cannot agree with your husband? Or you cannot pray with your wife? How do you win? As such, marriage itself is a battlefield. Then when the children come, the home becomes a battlefield. And then when you go to work, the office is a battlefield. When the children go to school, that becomes a battlefield. You have to win somewhere. And that is the only way you will win, that you are able to agree. Able to agree. Are you understanding the criteria of what God... He's a father. He's not mad at us. He's saying, this is the creator's manual for the creation. For my prime creation. This is what you should look for. And of course you are married now and you do not have that change. 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 You may have your disagreement. I am not saying there will be any husband or wife who will agree all the time. Even Christ doesn't agree with the church most of the time. He still tolerates her. And he still prays for her. He may not pray with her, but he prays for her. And there are a lot of people within the church with whom he prays through the Holy Spirit. Is the church kosher? No. But they are able to agree. They are able to pray. You have to ask these questions. No. So are you compatible? It's important. Can you communicate? We are all, all of us, are poor communicators. All of us. We think, oh, no, pastor, you're not a poor communicator. You're very good. You can preach well. That's not communication. That's preaching. Communication is between two people. 
We all have to learn to communicate. James chapter 1, 19 to 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know what? All of us, maybe, maybe there are exceptions here, I don't know, but as far as I know, I look into myself, into anybody. We are all poor listeners. Any man has a doubt, ask your wife. Any father or mother has a doubt, ask your children. What is a constant comment? You never, never listen to me. You know why? We are poor listeners. So very poor communicators. We think I can speak well, God said no. Good communicator listens well. Listens well. So the question, all the young girls and boys sitting over here, don't jump and get married. Listen. Does he listen to me? Does she listen to me? I'm not saying obey. I said listen. For men, listen means obey. I am the head, you are the tail. Now when I say jump, wag. No. It's not obey, it is listen. Could these are warning signals God gives his children say, don't get into trouble. Our issue is one, either we do not listen at all, or two, we do not listen properly, or we listen to the wrong things. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Who did God tell it to? Adam. Eve is not there. Eve is created. Adam must have told it to Eve. Either. There are two possibilities here. Either Adam was a bad listener. He did not listen to God carefully. And when he passed information to Eve, he did not put it correctly. Or Eve was a poor listener. Adam told exactly Eve what God said. She didn't listen carefully. How do you know? Listen to Genesis chapter 3. 3? Yeah. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? She was not a good listener. Has God indeed said, should have stopped and said, wait a second, that's not, first I shouldn't be talking to you. If I talk to you, let me tell you, that's not what God said. God actually said, you may freely eat of every tree. We didn't listen carefully. We didn't listen carefully. Come further. The woman said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. You didn't listen carefully. Did God say anything about touching it? But you took one word, surely, because when you take surely, that that weight is gone. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Pursue. You shall surely overtake and recover all. See the, the power with which God comes back at David. You shall surely die. She took surely off. Why did you take it out? Because you are a poor communicator. You didn't listen carefully. Poor communicator. Either she was either a poor listener or Adam was a poor listener and a communicator. And what is the indictment that comes? Genesis 3 verse 17. And he said to Adam, because you have listened. The voice. 
Do you see what breaks down? The entire mess happens is because of poor communication skills. What did God say? What did you tell your wife? What did she hear from you? What did she repeat back? It's all about communication. And what happens? The entire humanity falls down because the first marriage breaks down. And after that, what do we have? Dysfunctional families. And what is the problem with dysfunctional families? Poor communication. And the indictment is that you did not listen because you listened to your And sometimes it can be the other way around. You see, sometimes the woman is very perceptive. And the man is not. Okay, Sarah looks at Ishmael mocking Isaac. It's not going to work. That's a promise kid. The kid I had at 90. God came. Promise. This is true. The nation shall be blessed. She tells Abraham, the slave woman's son, and this cannot stay under the same roof. He needs to go. And Abraham was very, very upset. You know what? She looked at the situation and she saw, she heard clearly. She read the situation clearly. Adam, Abraham did not. So you know what happens? What did God say? Listen to your wife. Listen to your wife. She's a better communicator than you. Listen to your wife. Proverbs 18.2 A fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. Many of us are still fools. We don't listen. He has no interest in listening and understanding what the other person is going through or what she is going through or he is going through. He just wants to speak his heart out. The fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. Who is a fool who doesn't listen? Who doesn't listen? Who doesn't listen? Usually marriages are two fools getting together. Because neither listens to the other. And God makes them wise through all kinds of troubles until they start listening to each other. Eighteen thirteen. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. A conversation between a man and a woman is not like math. Two steps, I know the answer. No, you don't know the answer. Please listen. Which is true. I used to. Still can remember for 30, 40 years ago in the math class, oh, these guys. The teacher hasn't even finished writing the sol- problem. The solution comes from the back. And we try are trying to figure the question out. The answer has already come. And people, when they get married, it is like that. The wife hasn't even finished her sentence. This is the answer. Or the husband even hasn't finished two words and before that, that comes the answer. I know you. You're always like that. He who answers a matter before he hears it, what is it? It is folly and shame to him. Do you know it's all talking about communication? And the first thing God says is about communication. You need somebody comparable to you, to whom you can talk. One of the girls, one of the churches, let us put it euphemistically. Okay, it didn't work out, it broke down. So I asked the girl, what happened? Uh, when you talked, didn't you talk to each other? Didn't you understand each other? She said, no. I said, why? Because he never gave me a chance to talk. He only talked. 
Only he talked. I never talked. It was difficult to put you in a word sideways. It's a red signal. Signal. God saying, you know what? He's good, she's good, but you're not comparable. You cannot communicate. You cannot communicate. 18.2 is placing a priority in finding delight in an understanding conversation. The delight is that I understand the other person. That is the complaint of all the wives. No, When you are dating, you are another man. And after that, what happened to you? Because pull the chair, sit down, a napkin, fork, spoon, everything. And you are listening. Yes, honey, open the car door, get in. After marriage? What happened to you? What happened to you? The real man has come out. The non-communicator. Where we find pleasure in conversation, in understanding. Like I said, the common answer, this thing, the refrain is that you do not understand me. Proverbs 25. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. A man of understanding, a husband of understanding, a wife of understanding knows deep within her husband, deep within her wife are things he knows how to draw it out. It's communication. That is why an ideal marriage, they say, should be like wine. The older it gets, the better it becomes. Because you are drawing things out of the heart. You are comparable. Comparable. Let us ask this question for those who are walking with God. Isn't that true about our relationship with God? We are still drawing from the wells of salvation every day. And still mystified with this relationship. God just put a small little thing on planet earth. Draws them. How? With understanding. Understanding man. Not a misunderstanding, but understanding. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the... You know what is the honor you give to the wife? Let her talk. You listen. You just listen. See, most men already know what they're going to do. The wife also knows this is what he's going to do. <laughs> okay? But the issue they have is not what you did. The issue is that you did not listen to them. So the simple thing is that listen to them. Let them talk. You take the decision. But when you are listening to them, you will understand how to embellish your decision. You will hear lots of stuff which is useful. Huh, that's a good idea. Let me note it down. I can do it that way too. Ultimately, you are taking the decision. That is why the joke is that the husband is the head, but the wife is the neck. She turns you wherever she wants. How? With counsel. With counsel. Did you see? Understanding. I have to draw it out. It's all about fellowship. It's all about communication. It is active listening. It strengthens and it builds a relationship. You know why this is important? Because God wants to listen to us. 
God wants us to listen to Him. Because He listens to us. He listens to us. You know what is common about all of us? Husbands, wives, children, shepherds, sheep, fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, employers, employees. Everybody long to be understood. That is why they all say nobody understands me. Everybody wants to us to be understood. And how can you understand each other unless you are able to communicate? You need to go home and read John chapter 4. Jesus and the Samaritan woman is the masterpiece of communication skills. How a father sits on a well, draws a wayward, broken daughter and with understanding draws everything out, repairs her and sends her off. Masterpiece of communication. He starts the conversation. Gentle. Very, very gentle. Father and a wayward With understanding. That's what 25 is talking about. With understanding he draws it out. Why? Because Christ is a man of understanding. Luke 22 and verse 49. You know why Luke 2, 49 is so important? He said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You know why this is so important? Because this is the only conversation recorded about Jesus Christ of his first 30 years. Meaning he listened, he spoke very little. Only conversation of God in flesh of the first 30 years is one sentence. Recorded by the Holy Spirit. What does that tell you? Meaning he was an excellent listener. Excellent listener. Excellent listener. The first skill is listening. Communication. We are all terrible listeners. Me especially. Terrible listeners. The children always say, you never listen to us. And that's the problem of being a pastor. Because you think you know everything. You have counseled a thousand people and anything they say you already know ten times. You don't want to listen to it. But you don't realize you have to hear them out. Even though you know exactly every word that is going to come out of your mouth, you know it but still listen to them. Because they don't want a solution. They want somebody who will listen to them. They already know what the answer is. They just want somebody who will listen to them. Luke 2, 49, 46. Now it was that three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening, not talking. I am the son of God. The word became flesh. You listen to him. No, yes, listen. It's cool. It's good. I know who I am. It doesn't matter. I will listen to you. I will ask you. Because the fall was resulted The fall was rooted in communication. Breakdown in communication. Adam listened. But he didn't take it seriously. I said either we listen or we don't take it seriously. 1 Timothy 2, 14. Adam was not deceived. He was not deceived. He listened. But he didn't take it seriously. One of the things we always tell is to men. When you fight and when your wife says one day I will leave, stop. And listen. It was not a joke. She meant what she said. Same thing for the man. Woman too. When the man says, I will not put up with this too long. Stop and listen. Adam heard. He didn't take it seriously. 
He didn't take seriously. Be careful. These are serious things. He was deceived because either Adam did not communicate properly or she didn't listen carefully. Both of them should have. Because all God said was yes, 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 yes. No. So easy to listen. One no. How difficult because they didn't listen to that one no. How many no's we have to listen to now? No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Because they didn't listen to one no. I'm talking to all of us. Young and old, married, unmarried, employer, employees. Because we are members of a fallen race. Fallen race. Injected with the pride of the fallen one. Proud people honestly don't listen well. Don't listen well. Second, we are fearful people. Genesis 3 Verse 9 and 10. Then God called to Adam and said, Where are you? As soon as he heard, he ran. He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. I heard your... The man who was always ran to communicate is running away from communication. Why? Now you are afraid. Proud people don't communicate well. Second, fearful people don't communicate well. They are fearful of opening a conversation. Or they are fearful of... Opening their heart. That's why we tell learned lessons. Lessons we tell parents. See that you don't beat up your children. Different ways of punishing. Don't beat up your children. Because the problem is you beat up your children. When they do something wrong, they will lie to you. They will lie to you. They will lie to you. Don't beat up your children. They won't communicate. Because they are so afraid to open up. The Bible doesn't say uh, Adam was looking for God. The Bible says God was looking for Adam. He knows exactly. He didn't even, where are you? What have you done? He knows everything. He didn't come and tell, what did he eat of the fruit? Where are you? Hoping that he would open up. But he's so petrified, he hides. He blames. This is what fear does. And we need to be careful that, you know, men... To men, I'm talking here, everywhere. Don't be violent men. Don't be violent men. Your wife will shut up. And women, don't be violent, verbally abusive, violent women. Men will just stay at work as long as they can. They won't come back home until you, they know things have calmed down. There's no communication there. Two strangers living under one roof. And God is not a violent man. He's a very gentle man. He's a, he's a true gentleman. He's a gentleman. Everybody wants to be a gentleman, known as a gentleman, without being gentle. Violence causes fear. And fear causes people to lie. And that's why in the list in Revelation 21.6, the first is fearful. The last is liars. In between are all the others. And we need to create an atmosphere where there is no fear and terror in our homes so that people can communicate. Your wife should not be afraid to tell you what's in her heart. Your husband should not be able to tell what is without expecting a volcano erupting. So does the children. That if I tell dad this, he will beat the daylights out of me. No. Dad will be firm. 
He may punish me, but you know what? He won't lose it. Be angry, but do not sin. He may be upset, but he won't sin. I'm absolutely sure he won't sin. He won't sin against me. We're talking serious stuff. Things that make life. So when man fell, God came looking for him. And above all in the incarnation, God came looking for man. Look at these beautiful verses. Hebrews 2, 16 and 17. Indeed, he does not give aid, help to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He had to be made like us to understand what is misunderstanding. You know, when he walked on earth, nobody understood him. Everybody starting from his mother down to his brothers, to his disciples, everybody misunderstood him. But he was merciful. He was gentle. He's absolutely gentle. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was provoked and provoked and provoked and provoked. But you look, listen to his answers. With his own people. You listen to his answers. He understands with our struggles. How does he understand? Because he's a very good listener. Very good listener. He struggled. But he overcame. He too was tempted to speak. But he listened. Look at Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. But he didn't open his mouth. He listened. He listened to the mockings, the insults, spat on his face. If you are the Christ, prophesy. It's not shut. Listen. Father, they don't know what they're doing. Understanding. Deep from his own well of salvation, he was drawing with understanding. Father, you know what? They don't know what they are doing. Just don't hold this against you. From heaven he can feel the father is looking at what they are doing to his only son. And he's telling the father, it's okay with me dad, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know why? Because he had lived a life of listening. He knew it was coming from misunderstanding. If they understood who I am and what I am, really, really understood. He knows it's coming from their wounds. It is coming from their hurts. It is coming from their fear. It is coming from their shame. It is coming from that. He drew with understood. Kept his mouth shut. Look at Hebrews 2.18. For in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's why we tell people, when you can't handle anything, just go and bawl before God. Went before God. God has no issues. He fed Elijah, made him sleep, fed him again, woke him up, walked and said, come and went, Elijah. Come. I am the only one. No, you are not. You know, was he harsh with it? No. Thunder, lightning, fire, wind, nothing. I know you are broken. You are feeling ashamed. You are feeling like a heel. I ran away from my post. I messed up everything. Nothing. Hi, Elijah. What are you doing here? Whisper. Whisper. Therefore, we can. We allow the Holy Spirit because we were created in His image and in His likeness. We are created to work not just now in eternity too. We are created for relationship. 
And the most important part of relationship is what? Communication. In communication, what is the most thing we all have to learn? Listening. It is in listening. We actually exercise dominion. If you haven't listened well, you cannot speak well. And it is through your speaking, you exercise dominion. But to exercise dominion by speaking, you should have listened well. Listen well. We'll stop there. We'll continue next Sunday. One verse. James 3 verse 2. 3 verse 2. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. No, Jesus was a perfect man. The word of God says there was no deceit found in his mouth. You know, if he opened his mouth, they arrested him. Every time he refused to say anything. They arrested him, took him before Caiaphas. You have to listen to his words. Are you this? I am that. That's all. I will prove it with the thunderbolt. Pilate says, Are you a king? You say I am a king. Brought before Herod, hoping he would do a miracle. He refused to open his mouth. Refused to open his mouth. They're nailed on the cross. They're all insulting. The thief on one side is all insulting. Did he respond to anything? No. He did not respond to anything that was being spoken. He refused to respond to that. Instead, what did he respond to? Father, forgive them. He did not know what they were doing. He refused to respond to what they were saying. You know why? Because he had learned to be a very good listener. That's what God is talking about. We need to learn to listen to one another. And we need to learn how to speak. Because entire gamut of relationship is about communication. And all of us have to learn to be Good, hard, cheerful workers. Hard, cheerful workers. With the eyes open. Not what you were just told to do. Just look around. You'll always see there is work to be done. Like today, as soon as service is over, benediction down, don't go. There's time for that downstairs. Look around, there will be lots of work to be done. It was not a miracle that when you came, everything was set. Angels came and laid it out for you. Oh, DTC is meeting after 75 died. The Lord said, five angels go said, no, no, it's people who did it. And after we a service, it is people who will do it. If you look around, there will be lots of stuff. If you look around, after during fellowship time, a child may drop something, this thing, pick it up. May drop something, mop it up. If your eyes open, there will be always something to do. Because there are little children around. Don't blame the children. They are children are children. They will spill something. They will drop some crumbs around, around there. You know what? Pick it up. Take a tissue. Wipe it up. Don't leave. By the time you leave this place, they would have said, you know what? They left it spick and span. These are people who got eyes and ears and will not shirk from any work. You know what? Because we are created in the image of God. One thing I always say. Jesus rose from the dead. And they got it. Looked into that tomb. The clothes are there. And the headcloth folded and left. Boy, that one thing. I mean, now you have to go to heaven, finish the work and everything at all. Nothing. 
Before I go, this one more thing. My usual discipline. What is that? And I can go. If the God of the universe has time to fold his kerchief, don't you have time? And the most important work is waiting in heaven. He has to enter in the Holy of Holies and put the blood. Atonement is over. Holy Spirit will be released 40 days from now. This is me. fold my kerchief. Can't you pick something? Can't you wipe something? Can't you dust something? Even in the rooms where you sit and study, watching all the time. Pop dance. Don't you? Maze of God. Hard workers. Good communication skills. Starts with listening. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you. We just want to thank you, Lord. Once again, the joy of being together has the body of Christ in your house. After this 75 days, O oh Lord, in this 14th year, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you. I just want to thank you special, Lord. You brought everyone, Lord, safely during this second wave. They're talking about a third wave. We are not worried about a third wave because we know whose we are. And nothing can touch us other than what is ordained by God in our lives. For if not even a hair drops from our head without our father knowing, how can a virus enter our body without our father knowing? Our father has worked out every detail of our lives. And life and death is in his hands. And we just want to love you, Lord. The life is not in the hands of the government. Life is not in the hands of sicknesses that is floating around. Life is not in the hands of anybody. Our life is in your hands. And we know we are absolutely secure in your hands. For you yourself said, no one can pluck you from the Father's hand. That is our confidence. And that is our boldness, Lord. So, Father, even as we disperse from this place and we go to our homes... Wherever we go, your people, it is into your hands. I commit them as a church. The hand of God rest upon everyone here present in their homes, different nations. Let the hand of God rest upon them. Oh Lord, that you would bless them. You would keep them. You would empower them, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Go with us. Go before us, oh Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Your presence is our protection. That's all we ask. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.